This is Mona Lisa Baseball. Episode 1. I have a 60 second exercise for you. Close your eyes. If you could choose one decade and one decade only to be a baseball fan, which decade do you choose? What pops into your mind? I have a feeling you already know your answer, but think about all the things that would come into being part of a fan. Um, How do you participate as a fan? Do you prefer to go to games? Do you watch them every night on TV? Do you listen to them on your way home from work? Uh, Are you a sports center nut? Did you used to watch baseball tonight? You got to think about what would be available in those decades. So I think of like uh, Lou Gehrig era, 30s. Pretty dreamy. Well, you're either going to the game or it's on the radio, but you're not going to see it on TV. You're not going to be able to keep up to date at night after work and things like that. You know, you got to be right right in there. Right in there as a fan. But think about those old stadiums, those old ballparks. Go back further. You want to see the start of Babe Ruth. Pitching for the Red Sox. Dominating the 20s. First World Series. How about early 1900s? How about before the World Series, 1800s? You know, maybe maybe right after the Civil War. Maybe before the Civil War. Rumor has it, they were playing baseball in the 1840s. Even just calling it base. Well, the reality is, if you're choosing anything before the 40s, uh, you've chosen pre-integration, so you're not going to have the best competition because it's separated in different leagues, and I don't mean American and National, I'm talking Negro Leagues, you know, Latin America, all that. It's just, you know, MLB was white, and while there was some great probably fabulous baseball being played you don't have the best players playing against the best players so and you got to start thinking about maybe you choose the 40s you got Ebbets Field you got Fenway Wrigley you got Jackie Robinson 1947 can you imagine sitting in Ebbets Field witnessing Jackie Robinson's first game at home. Yeah, hard to hard to turn that one down. But keep on going up. It's great, you know. 50s. Got some great players. Willie Mays. Mickey Mantle comes to mind. Um you still got all those great ballparks. You know, you get the 60s, 
cool things are happening, but, you know, getting the Astrodome, indoor baseball, to each their own. Some people might have thought that was great. Uh, I wasn't alive yet, so I can't speak for it, but it's pretty obvious that you had creative ballparks turn into almost a monotone style ballpark. 3.30 down the lines. 3.65-ish in the power alleys. About 400 to center. And you're really losing the ability to sit near the action and have the intimacy. You know, you're you're playing baseball in something that wasn't designed to watch baseball. It's actually designed more to watch football. So it's not very interesting. But the 70s had some awesome action. Again, I wasn't born yet. I've seen highlights. I've seen Ken Burns' baseball series more than once. Uh, I believe that's 24 hours per viewing-ish. Can you imagine if you were in Boston for the Game 6 World Series in Fenway Park up till midnight? Pretty dreamy stuff. The A's were dominant. Big Red Machine, dominant. Lot of lousy ballparks. And still, you don't even have ESPN or Sports Center yet. So, how are you going to be interacting as a fan? 80s. That's the decade that I first went to my first game. Uh, it was either 80. Five or 86 Giants Astros Candlestick Park uh, Astros won 5 nothing. Um, you know instantly that vibe of oh my god I'm at a I'm at a ballpark I'm at a pro game you know I even recall my dad on the walk from the parking lot to the ball or to the ball field saying you know, if we catch a foul ball, we get to keep it. And my mind exploded. Five, six-year-old thinking, a real baseball from a real pro game off a real pro bat, and I get to go home with it. Still haven't caught a foul ball at a game. Been awful close. think I got leather on one once off of Robbie Thompson's bat off the first baseline but uh, nope only gotten a ball from batting practice and a center fielder throwing me a ball in between innings but that's it how about the 90s Griffey Bonds come to mind immediately uh, Griffey just dominating Sports Center, baseball tonight, keeping you in touch with what's going on. 90s were real good, real good to me. Um, strike was a killer. That one hurt. 
How good were the Braves in the 90s? You know, pitching in an era of hitting. Really impressive. Not that they didn't have bats. They had bats. But, uh, yeah, 90s. It's, it's fascinating. You still had, you know, Wrigley before the Jumbotrons. Still had Tiger Stadium. Still had Yankee Stadium. Original. Fenway. So, a lot of good things happened in the 90s. Boom, 2000s. First thing that comes to my mind is getting off of work. Let's see, this would have been... Oh, man. Yeah, 2004? Jeez. Correct me if I'm wrong. Jesus. But Schilling, pitching game... Gosh, I think game six of the World Series. Bloody ankle. I just remember working that day thinking, I can't believe I'm going to get to go to my buddy's grandma's house after work and watch game six. Jeez, I hope I didn't say World Series. I'm talking Red Sox-Yankees. That's the first thing that comes to my mind in the early 2000s. But yeah, Sports Center in full swing. You know, if you're answering this question, you probably lived it, but who wouldn't want to relive it again? Go do all those things, you know, a decade full of Jeter and all that stuff. Or, you know, the decade we just went through, you know, what's coming up in your mind? How different is it from the very first second that you comprehended the question if you could choose one decade only, what do you choose? So, I dare you to make a choice. Now's the time. So that's how I wanted to open episode one. And I want you to think about that because I'm going to have nine episodes. Planning on having it 40 minutes each. And this is kind of setting the tone for what I'm going to be talking to you about. So think about it. But let's shift gears. So October 2019, um, I heard a question asked that basically has become the basis of this show. And got off of work that day. Um, wasn't really thinking about it too much, but you know, when it's October, uh, playoffs, World Series stuff can be in your mind if you consider yourself a baseball fan. And that day it was. Um, I was living in a trailer, didn't have a television, and didn't have streaming capabilities, uh, but I did have a handheld uh, FM radio. You know, it says FM AM, but I've never figured out how to get AM. I might be doing something wrong, but I flipped through the whole dial and it's just static. Excuse me. But FM, you know, I'll get a handful of stations and I went up and down real slowly and diligently and I did come across a sports uh, some sort of sports show hosted by Chris Broussard. And um, him and his co-host, you know, they were very aware that the World Series was going on. 
and they'd sprinkle in updates or highlights of of how the game was going and that's as close as I got to the World Series that evening but the question that he asked was I don't know it just kind of it kind of stuck out to me in a way I haven't been able to forget what he asked and I can't guarantee verbatim but it went something like this you know, his co-host, I can't remember if his co-host was a purist or he was calling him a purist or more of a purist, baseball purist or something like that. But he, he almost had got animated for a second and he said, why, why can't baseball change? You know, football's changed. Basketball's changed. Why can't baseball change? And I think that is such a great question. And it's such a great great question that I'm going to spend 360 minutes explaining my answer to that question. So I thank him for asking a great question and... You know, it reminds me of, I, I love a good analogy, um, and I'm going to use this opportunity to spit one on, or spill one on you right now. So, you know, it could be a bit of an annoying story, and I promise you I'm not going to berate you with stories like this, but I only tell it because I think it's so accurate for what uh, I'm feeling right now concerning baseball. But So this would, would have been back in uh, 2002. Um, it's right around the time the Giants were coughing up uh, World Series to the Angels. Um yeah, I had a few roommates, and we used to have like a Nestle Quick uh, powdered chocolate tin sitting on top of our fridge, and we used to collect bottle caps. I don't totally know why, but um, I was at work, and one of my coworkers caught wind of this, and this is a really big fella he's uh you know a true 300 pounder and you know not the big boned type uh he's a big big dude uh but i remember he did have some dance moves and real real goofy and funny pretty good pretty good golfer too um and so he said yeah well we gotta we gotta go play caps at your house and i may have played before maybe not but um Hey, it seemed like a great idea at the time. So myself and him and uh, two of my roommates decided to play a game of caps two on two. And I believe it was it was me and my coworker Nick. And and so we're you know, if you're playing caps and you're in college, it's probably gonna involve uh, some beers. And that's how we were playing, you know, creating rules if so and so makes a cap you know, flips a cap towards a cup and it goes in, you know, that's a drink. If it goes in the 
smaller cup, it's more drinks. I, I don't know. It was something like that. But uh, I do recall having a really, really good time. And so as the game is progressing, um, we get ourselves into a scenario of, you know, you got to make this shot to stay in it. And at this point of the game, you know, you're, I don't know, maybe making one out of ten. And so it's a do or die. It's not like a free throw to tie. It's like, it's a long shot. If I remember right, Nick makes it. And, uh, and I go bonkers. Just like... <laughs> Really celebrating. Really, really letting loose. Um, and I guess unfortunately for me and most other people in the room, um, at that right around that that's kind of my last memory of that game and anything that happened in the next I don't know, I'm just gonna guess an hour. Um and I wake up to one of the strangest things that's ever happened to me. Now, it's not the next morning. Um, I wake up to being pinned against the wall, and I think I was sitting on a speaker, and I have my roommate's forearm pressing into my neck, which is pressing against the wall, and... This is someone that I've known since I was a kid. Uh, third grade, sleepovers, fourth grade. Known this guy a very long time. Uh, he's he's screaming, screaming one word. Stop! Stop! And he's so serious about it that it kind of snaps me out of whatever it is that I'm going through. And I'm staring at him, and he very clearly wants me to stop what I'm doing. Now, all I'm aware of doing is being pinned against a wall. Um, so I'm pretty perplexed at this point, and I kind of only have one option, which is go along with it. So I nod and yeah totally man i'll i'll stop I'll, I'll, whatever you think i'm doing like i'll stop and he's like uh go to bed that's your only that's that's your only option is to go to bed this second you're going to bed so i do uh not really room for anything else at that point. So I wake up the next morning and I don't really remember how I feel, but I do remember seeing him and him just kind of looking at me with like not cool bro type of uh, vibe. And he doesn't really talk to me a whole lot and he goes off to class. And uh, I'm afraid I've done something stupid. I don't exactly know what the story is. But uh, my roommate, uh, who got up a little later, um, my other roommate, uh, he caught me up to speed, and he goes, uh, "You, you went, you went ballistic, man. You, uh, you, you went bonkers. We couldn't, we couldn't contain you. And I'm, I'm not 
an angry drunk whatsoever. Um, but now and again, if I get really excited, uh, that'll come out of me. And evidently, I was just uh, headhunting people out of fun and trying to like wrestle around and, and this sort of thing. And uh, my my roommate goes, uh, who who has been in many many fights, can be a tough guy. He says, uh, "Oh, I I left the house. I was afraid of you." He goes, yeah, you, uh, you, tackled, uh, you tackled Nick into that chair. And he points to the chair, and it's, I wouldn't say extra sturdy, but it's a wooden chair that you wouldn't expect to be broken. Just splintered on the floor. Like, oh, yeah, you obliterated it. And uh, we actually had you pin, three of us had you pinned on the ground, and we couldn't, you kept unpinning yourself and getting, we couldn't hold you down. And so when you know, the forearm was in your throat, that, at, finally we'd captured you and got you into that position. And, you know, he was done. He was done with you. You were way, way too unpredictable. And he's yelling, stop! And we're talking bug eyes. You couldn't get more serious. I get it. It's a really long-winded a uh, way to get you to this point. But here's my analogy, okay? I am my roommate. It's my forearm into the throat of the powers that be that's running Major League Baseball. And I'm screaming, bug eyes and all, top of my lungs, to stop. Will you stop? Will you stop butchering this game? I've known that I was going to do this show for at least a couple years now. I didn't I didn't exactly know how I was going to put it together, but I can tell you it's been an interesting few years on my end, uh probably for you too. But one of the main themes that's come into my mind a lot is if you start watching old footage, um, and again, the Ken Burns baseball series is a, a great resource for this, but old baseball books, people that have written about it, it's pretty striking how many people bring up the point or the, the fact in their own mind that baseball is was created perfectly that the sport has this magic way of correcting itself and you know the classic 90 feet from you know home to first base and all the other bases is the perfect distance um changing it just a little bit would change the game dramatically and you know on and on all the things that in people's minds make the sport perfect and you'll definitely meet lots of people that are huge sports fans in all ranges but they say uh, I'm you know baseball is my first sport Uh, equally you're going to meet plenty of people that go love football love basketball baseball's boring I'm out I I don't care and uh, it's these people that I'm worried about the least because baseball Basically, 
you either love it or you don't. And a lot of people learn about baseball through their family. Oftentimes, you know, cliche or not, father to son. Um, and that's how you got taught. My dad was a Giants fan. I certainly didn't entertain the thought of uh, being my team being anyone else. It was it was the Giants. Um, and so that's just how it was. But we have something on our hands, baseball, that is so perfect, it's staggering. I could compare it to, say, chess, where, come on, chess is perfect. You got this concise little board. You got all these little pieces, different roles. They do different things. If you were to change one piece on the board, you would wipe out a very long history of how the game's played, who the best players are. Um, if it's true that baseball started getting played in the 1840s or anywhere near that, um, it's had decades and decades to refine and prove itself. Uh, it's always funny to hear of old stories about how you weren't allowed to throw a curveball. Um, the little, you know, idiosyncrasies and nuances of the game, like, uh, you know, the players used to leave their, their gloves or their mitts on the field when they get the third out and go into bat. Um, and probably, you know, a glove got in the way at some point and changed the outcome of the game. And then they started bringing their gloves into the dugout, but it was never a rule that said, you have to leave your glove on the field. You have to bring it in. It just refined itself. And it changed. But one of the things that's fascinating to me is the rules pretty much stayed the same for decades. And early on, you know, you had the national pastime. It was America's game for a long time long time and then well I should say it's gone through swings there's times where it's been the most popular and attendance was rolling great and there's times where it wasn't so good something that comes into my mind immediately is what happened in the late 60s early 70s where supposedly attendance was shrinking well, let me tell you my theory. Think of all the stupid ballparks that were implemented. I should that's not even accurate. Stadiums, multi-purpose stadiums. Imagine going to Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia after you've been going to their old school park with high fences and personality and intimacy and then you're going into a sterile type of yard that you can't get close and there's turf and there's no grass and it just doesn't feel the same it doesn't sound the same it's just it's just not as good it makes perfect sense that attendance was going down and so then you got the owners that are freaking out 
And granted, probably, I'm assuming, owners back then weren't as rich as they are now, uh, billionaire-wise. But if you own a baseball team, I'm not all that worried about if you're eating enough food and supporting your children. Um, they decided to change a rule. And I'm not totally certain of this, but I think it's maybe the only rule that had been changed in baseball for, for decades. And I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I believe it was 1973 they decided to go with the designated hitter. Now, rest assured, trust me, I will go into depth on the designated hitter. That will happen. But not at this moment where I just bring it up in terms of that was kind of the first step in Chris Broussard's question. Um, why can't baseball change? Well, on one league or one side of things in the American League, it did change. You know, let's just get a little more offense into things. You know, late 60s, a lot of 1-0 games, a lot of, a lot of shutouts. You know, who doesn't love the home run? Let's just tweak it just a smidge, and, you know, we'll see how that goes. Pitchers. Who wants to watch a pitcher hit? So, they changed a pretty important basic function of baseball, which makes makes it what it is. You got nine defensive players. Play them wherever the hell you want. You have to have a pitcher and a catcher. But otherwise, do what the hell you want. And all nine people hit. You know, if you're not so good of a hitter, you better be damn good defensive player. But everyone does both. Just like basketball. You got to play offense, you got to play defense. Football's got its own things going on. But baseball was designed to do both. And if you want to have substitutes, there are rules for that. The American League decided to change that. And uh, I think to the detriment of baseball. Yes, I am a National League guy. No question. No question. And there's American League people that think the National League's a joke. And that's fine. But let's just go ahead and get this out in the air in the first episode. Um, American League Baseball is not baseball. It's American League Baseball. It's its own thing. The pitcher has to hit. There are so many nuances that make that an integral part of the game. Today is not the day for me to go into that, but I just want to go ahead and and get that out there. So here's what I'd like to do. Let's get rid of thinking of baseball as a sport or one of the big three or the big four, if you will, 
and just start referring to it as baseball. I'm so tired of these comparisons of how it could be more like the NFL or the NBA. What the hell does baseball have to do with those leagues? You know, there's a there's a handful of similarities. You know, they got 30-ish teams. They play half their games on on the road, half at home. You play to win. If you're high up in your league, you go to the playoffs. But baseball is nothing like basketball or football. And so I'm really tired of people comparing it like they need to do certain things to be like the other ones. And that just sounds to me like you're protecting the owners and saying, no, these owners deserve to make more millions. They really do. I think it's job number one of the owners to protect the game of baseball. Changing the rules of baseball. It's not going to do that. You're going to alienate your fan base, the fans that count, the ones who love it the most. You keep tweaking it. You keep changing it. It's going to bite you in the ass. It's going to. I was a lot bigger fan when I was a kid, but that doesn't mean I don't still love it. So it's a dream of mine that baseball can stand alone again like it used to and not feel this pressure to live up to what the other leagues are doing. So think about it this way. I suggest start thinking of baseball as a play or a drama. You got the players. You got the coaches. You got the umpires. You got the fans. And you have the venue. I'm going to call those the big five. Obviously, the players are the most important of the big five. Because without the players... There's no game. So players are top billing. Coaches are really important as well. Uh, they just make everything work better. They get the most out of their team. Um, you know, they can make decisions on the base pass for the players. So the coaches make the game just played at a higher level. But the umpires... Boy, boy, are we undervaluing our umpires or what? This is going to be a very important topic that I delve into soon. And it's the role of the umpires and the role of instant replay. I still can't quite believe that if I go to a baseball game and listen, apologies up front. I haven't been to a baseball game, a pro game, well, any game really, in at least 5 years and I think it might be 6 and I love going to ball games. But it just I don't know. 
it just hasn't held the importance to me like it used to. And so I haven't gone. My point is this though. Do you realize that you can go to a game and let's just say there's men on second and third, you know, you're down one, a single goes into center field, runner from third scores, runner from second rounds third, headed for home, slides in safe, and I can't cheer like the game just ended. I have to wait for a computer to tell me what in air quotes actually happened. The umpires are there to tell you what's happening in the drama, in the play. Baseball is not a sport of what actually happened. I think I read two days ago. Shit, might even have been yesterday. Minor leagues are going with an electronic strike zone so that now you can know if it's really a strike or not. Hey, some of you might think that's the great, greatest thing you've heard. Well, finally, we'll get to know. Doesn't that take a pretty serious bit of humanity out of this? I mean, let's get real right now. This baseball is a game. It is a game. I'm not going to say it's not important because it is. America loves it. Keeps people's spirits up. But going down this road of actually will actually take the magic out. It's stripping the game of its own magic its own history. I don't want to say watch it happen because I'd like to believe it will never go this direction. But can we start appreciating our umpires? Can we start paying them what they deserve so that I'm not saying a ballpark can't have instant replay and they can show you on the Jumbotron. Sure, great. But the umpires are the ones that are dictating what's happening on the field. It has to stay that way. That's the humanity of going out to the ballpark. The humanity is worth saving. How about the fans? How about the fans that support the players, the coaches, the umpires, everything? The owners, the fans. The game is for the fans. The game is for the fans. Can't we take care of the fans? You you couldn't possibly tell me that a game can be as interesting if you have to wait for something electronic to tell you what happens. Especially when you're my age, you've gone to games your whole life looking for what the hell that umpire says. Does he wave those arms safe? That is the moment of drama that we're all waiting for. That is it. That's the moment. And we're trying to strip that away. Ooh, makes me sick. But it's why I'm here. It's why I'm doing this.
I'm screaming top of my lungs to stop. Will you restore the game? We're going to talk later about American League and National League and how to handle that. Please stop stripping the game. You've stripped it of some other small rules. I'm going to get into that. Please stop stripping the game. Its nuances are what makes it beautiful. Helps make it more beautiful. It's not black and white. It's a game. It's a play. What's going to happen today? Anything. There's no time limit. Anything can happen. Leave it up to the coaches to decide how they want to strategize defense. Leave it up to the coaches. Hey, if their pitcher can't hit, let him decide how and when there's a pinch hitter. You can't just say pitchers aren't supposed to hit. You can't tell me that because Babe Ruth was a pitcher. You want more solid proof than that? You want to pull the bat out of Babe Ruth's hands? The most famous athlete in the history of sports at the time when he was playing? So think about that. Okay, I've gone past my 40 minutes. So I'm going to leave you with this thought. This will be the conclusion of episode one. It's impossible to make something better if it's already perfect. It's impossible. You want to change El Capitan in Yosemite to make it something better? How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that? How are you going to make it better? Should we tweak the Mona Lisa and just just get her just a little bit more up to date? Would that make her better? I don't think so. So, think about what decade you'd choose. And I'll be with you next week. And we got so much more to discuss. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, it's raining out here. Take care. March 14th, 2021. Believe it or not. <laughs>